Welcome to Les Liaisons Dangereuses in 5 by 5 I'm Katrina Seth. I'm the Marshall Foch Professor of French Literature at the University of Oxford. And today we're going to be talking about the reception of Laclos' novel Les Liaisons Dangereuses. With me today are Richie Robertson, the Taylor Professor of German. Hello. And Claudia Passos Alonso, who is University Lecturer in Portuguese and Brazilian Studies. Hello. So, Richie, we might start off by talking about German, since German is the first language into which Les Liaisons Dangereuses was translated. The first German version came out in 1783, just one year after the original was published. And the person who penned this translation was someone who's been quite forgotten, called Christian Friedrich Ferdinand Anselm von Bonin. And as you might expect, there were several other German translations subsequently, including a number in the 19th century. And now, Richie, I think you'd like to talk to us about one of the most interesting translations, which is a 20th century one. Yes, certainly. The novel was published in translation in 1905 by Heinrich Mann, who was the elder brother of Thomas Mann. Now, the two brothers at that time were chalk and cheese. Thomas was a German nationalist. Heinrich was a socialist and Francophile. Under the German Empire, to be interested in French literature in a serious way was already an oppositional stance, because France was the enemy after the Franco-Prussian War. Heinrich Mann also wrote a very interesting essay, which served as the preface to his translation, and what comes out of the essay is his intense um, ambivalence about the novel. On the one hand, he sees it as a social critique. It's a critique of an idle aristocracy, which has no cultural interests and nothing to do except play sexual games and mind games with other people. But that's um, more or less what he feels obliged to say. He's quite frank about what really fascinates him about the novel, and that's his utter amorality. The way in which Valmont and Mertet undertake sexual and emotional experiments. He points out that Valmont seduces Tourvel without actually sensual desire. It's simply for him an experiment in corrupting and ruining a good woman. And he's fascinated too by the fact that Merteuil has such inhuman self-control that even on her wedding night, she didn't give any sign of pleasure. That was so that her husband would think that she was frigid and therefore she was sure to be faithful to him. Mann sees these two people as superhuman characters exercising their talents on a tiny scale. He compares Valmont to Caesar and Merteuil to contemporary figure Catherine the Great. And you think of the erotic adventures for which Catherine the Great was notorious, that's quite an interesting contemporary comparison. So, Claudia, could you now tell us about what happens in the Portuguese-speaking world? Well, Les Liaisons Dangereuses was not translated into Portuguese until the middle of the 20th century. And those familiar with the Hispanic context will understand why. That's because a translation was unnecessary. French was so widely spoken and read among the elite. The fact that Liaison Dangereuse actually circulated in Portugal is documented by the fact that there's a first edition in the National Library. So, in the 20th century, we have two translations, and what is remarkable is that the first one is actually the Brazilian one, not the Portuguese one. It was penned in 1947 by one of the major modernist poets, Carlos Dumont de Andrade. We have to wait until 1961 for the first translation to appear in Portugal, almost certainly prompted by Vadim's film. In 1959, Roger Vadim created the most amazing film adaptation of Les Liaisons Dangereuses, starring Jeanne Moreau, 
Jean-Louis Trintignant and Gérard Philippe, so some of the most famous actors of the 20th century. It's a black and white version set in Jazz Age Paris. It's racy, it's exciting, it has a wonderful soundtrack. The adaptation shows us Valmont as a diplomat or a high flyer in the circles of world organizations. His wife is somebody with whom he lives in an open marriage, and together they will plan to corrupt the Cecile figure. It's definitely a film worth watching. Back to Portugal, Claudia. Yes, 1961, very surprising timing. We are bang in the middle of the Salazar dictatorship and it's actually the year of the start of the colonial wars in Africa. So what is probably happening is that the attention of the censors are directed towards political inflammatory material and therefore the translation can make its way. That's a very interesting point about the context being important when we're looking at translations. Because if we look at the periods at which Les Liaisons Dangereuses were translated, there are translations in the immediate aftermath, in the sort of 10 or 20 years after it was first published in 1782. So this is making the book available to a wide readership of, say, English-speaking readers, German-speaking readers, even Russian-speaking readers. And then there are other waves of translations. For instance, at the end of the 19th century, or the turn of the 19th and 20th century, in what we would have called <coughs> the fin siècle, when the decadent writers, as they're known, get interested in 18th century fashions and literature, there are several translations in German, for instance, at that time, There's a new English translation by Arthur Simmons, who's a well-known poet in his own right, and Aubrey Beardsley starts planning a series of drawings which are intended for Simmons's edition. And then there are all these 20th century translations, which sometimes take on a value as both the Man version and the Portuguese version, which has just been mentioned, a value of contesting a regime by standing up for some form of liberty to translate foreign texts and to translate texts which might be seen as, in some ways, scandalous. Thank you also, Claudia, for making the point that a lot of the elites would have spoken French in various countries in Europe and beyond. So you make the point for Portuguese. We could make it also for a lot of Eastern Europe. For instance, the first Hungarian translation by someone called Istvan Urkeny, again an important writer in Hungarian in his own right, comes out in the 20th century. And that, to a large extent, is because the elites who would have had access to literature on a European scale would have read French anyhow. So we've talked about translations, but one of the other important aspects of the afterlife of a book is the way it can be adapted or reinvented. The way, for instance, a novel can become a stage play, an opera, a ballet, and so on. I think you'd like to talk to us, Richie, about a rather scandalous adaptation. Yes, this is by the East German playwright Heiner Müller, a very unorthodox, brilliant, experimental playwright who died in 1995. His play, Quartet, Quartet, came out in 1982 for the bicentenary of the first publication of the novel. Of Müller's plays, Quartet is the one most often staged, and you can see why. It's a chamber play, it's quite short, it would probably last about an hour. There are only two characters, Merté and Valmont, but they play, respectively, Cécile and Tourvel. So you can see them already colonising the minds of the people they plan to seduce. The play is set, according to the opening stage direction, both in a drawing room before the French Revolution and also in a bunker after the Third World War. The play also shows very much the influence of Heinrich Mann, not only his translation but also his essay. Müller shares his fascination with the character's total amorality, but he takes it further. 
There's also an element of the Marquis de Sade in the play. The fantasies of the two characters, which of course they're going to turn into reality, are highly pornographic. For example, Valmont imagines Cécile in the convent, satisfying herself by masturbating with a crucifix. Behind all this, there's no doubt a personal emotional content. Muller wrote the play after the breakup of his third marriage in an Italian villa which he was sharing with his wife and her new lover. So I can only speculate how far the play performed a kind of catharsis for him. The only action in the play comes at the end. Merte poisons Valmont with poisoned wine and then reveals, or at least strongly hints, that she's dying of cancer. Otherwise, the play consists entirely of talk intensely charged. I've never seen it on the stage, but it must be a very powerful experience. I might add that Jeanne Moreau, who plays the Merteuil character in the Roger Vadim film, has also played in Quartet at the Festival d'Avignon. So in the same way as there's this link between the man translation and the Heiner Müller play, there is a link between the way Merteuil has been played in the film and then on stage. So maybe now, Claudia, you could talk to us about some more original adaptations. These ones have come out of South America. Yes, indeed. Only this year, in January 2016, we had a 10-part Global production set in the 1920s. Global, the largest commercial TV network in South America, is Brazilian and they have a tradition of launching these mini-series, typically in January every year. These contrast with their telenovelas, for which they are famous, their soap operas, which are saturated with sexual explicit scenes. By contrast, the miniseries is actually sold as a more highbrow product and typically they are adaptations of the great classics from the Western canon. They're period dramas and obviously the 1920s setting in a small provincial town somewhere in Brazil, it's unspecified, harks back to Vadim's version set in the jazz age. It was a huge success. It was watched on average by over a million and a half people in São Paulo alone. The female scriptwriter Manuela Dias and the co-directors Vinicius Coimbra and Denise Saraceni are well known already. But Manuela Dias in particular is an unusual choice because she's a woman scriptwriter and there aren't very many of those in the higher echelons of Globum. The main characters are played by Salton Mello, Valmont, Patricia Pilar, Madame de Merteuil, and Alice Wagman, Cécile. And are these major actors whom every Brazilian would know? Yes, Salton is mainly known actually for cinema. Patricia, on the other hand, has a track record in telenovelas. So they would all be household names in Brazil? Yes, and obviously Global also marketed it via websites and released what they called teasers. Wonderful. So we all need to be looking at that on the web. Thank you, Claudia. There have been lots of film adaptations and all of us, well, I think, have seen the Freer's adaptation. We've mentioned the Roger Vadim one. There are several others and I'd like just to say a word about Untold Scandal, which is a Korean adaptation. It's set in 18th century Korea and it's extraordinarily interesting because in the same way as Vadim rethinks the relationships between the characters in order to make it possible to have them playing the same types of games, manipulating the ingenue Cécile and so on. In Korea, we have a character who's an official wife, a concubine, because it's a way of adapting the essential elements of the plot to a completely different context. It's a very beautiful film. It's very aesthetically pleasing. 
Thank you both for a fascinating discussion, which has certainly given me a lot of ideas of things to read and watch. So, Claudia, you've told us that Les Liaisons Dangereuses has inspired a very recent mini-series in Brazil. Could you tell us why you think this is and why Les Liaisons Dangereuses still works as a source for this sort of thing? I think it's primarily because sex always sells, of course, but it's also the mind games, the balance of power. Thank you, Claudia. Richie, would you have something to add? Yes, I think the reaction of Heinrich Mann is still valid. He was astonished and fascinated by the way it goes beyond all moral bounds. And however morally liberated we may think ourselves to be, to shock us and amaze us. So that's the end of this perspective on Les Liaisons Dangereuses in 5x5. I hope you'll join us for the rest. Au revoir. <laughs>